Today we're talking Budweiser, crime documentaries, and why presidential candidates are turning to social celebrities for endorsements. Talking marketing, branding, and occasionally a conversation, this is the Brand Boost Podcast. Welcome to Monday, January 25th, 2016. Oh, it is beautiful to be on another day of the podcast. What a weekend for football. I must say, that was some good, good football, especially the Denver-New England game. I know I was wrong with my prediction to go against Tom Brady, uh, so... I went for the Patriots, and they lost. Not complaining. Trust me. Definitely not doing that. That was a hell of a game. Shitty way to lose if you're the Patriots. Essentially, it was a missed extra point that cost them the game. Hey, shout out to Mr. Peyton Manning for what looks to be his final game. Uh, That second game, though, the Carolina Panthers look legit I do not want to mess with that team I'll make my predictions in two weeks on that one let's jump right into our topics today a little bit of advertising and branding content Budweiser ditched its old look um, and they've crafted a new visual identity it was basically a a makeover by a 140 year old brand It marks the first time it's using the same packaging worldwide. This is their 13th redesign, but the first time that all over the world is the same branding. You know, what goes into giving a major marketer like Budweiser a top-to-bottom makeover uh, of its core product? The entire Entire visual identity, packaging, logo, typography, all got a recent uh, facelift from design firm Jones Knowles Ritchie, which has been really tinkering with it since December of 2013. Uh, This was an exclusive look in ad week, and it's really, really freaking cool. Very modern. Uh, I'm not a Budweiser drinker at all. I'm not much of a beer guy. I'm the occasional craft beer drinker, but you really have to press me to do that. Uh, You know, though this is the 13th design, like I said, worldwide it's never been the same. Until now, only about 80% of the product has ever looked the same. Uh, The Anheuser-Busch InBev-owned brewer quietly rolled out the new look in September, hopes to have a complete rollout by mid-February. They focused on the brand's crest and the font instead of the iconic bow tie. Uh, They also revamped Bud Light's packaging, which should hit shelves by April. You know, such an undertaking, especially for a brand of Budweiser size, is not something that is a small feat, and it doesn't come cheap. Uh, This is tens of millions of dollars, although Budweiser 
declined to really specify the amount. We know that this is a tens of millions of dollars type project. But why would they go through all the trouble of hiring a design firm, shutting down brewers to change over packaging and whatnot? Upgrade in-store materials, anything that goes along with it. Brian Perkins, VP of Marketing, said, Our entire brand positioning is all around showing how much we care about the beer that we're brewed the hard way. Uh, We looked at the packaging we had and said to ourselves, Can we honestly say that the level of detail, care, and attention on this packaging reflects the level of care, detail, and attention that goes into the beer? No. That's an interesting, interesting thought that they didn't think their visual marketing gave the impression that they cared about their product. Really, really interesting thing to think about. I know I use the word interesting maybe about 100 times there because to me, I'm, a, I'm slightly flabbergasted by the change. I think it's a great change. It's very, very visually appealing. But any brand can take away from that that no matter who you are, how big you are, how great your reputation is, it's always good to take a step back and look deeper into maybe why numbers are dipping or why numbers aren't where you want them to be. Let's skip ahead to something else here, crime documentaries. Recently, I watched... Uh, making a murderer. I'm actually not done with it yet, but these crime documentaries like making a murderer are really picking up where newspapers left off and TV is taking a page out of the old print book. Uh, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings recently bragged in a letter to shareholders about two things. His booming business, which is at 75 million subscribers, and his hot content. He said, in late December, we debuted a 10-part documentary series, Making a Murderer, which has enthralled audiences and critics alike and triggered a national conversation on fairness of the American criminal justice system. The docu-series, for those of you that don't know, chronicles Stephen Avery's rape conviction and exoneration after 18 years in a Wisconsin prison, followed by a murder charge two years later. It even inspired a rebuttal podcast and a special on the cable net Investigation Discovery. Uh, Making a Murderer drew immediate comparisons to the very popular serial podcast which was downloaded more than 60 million times and became the first podcast to win a peabody award for those that don't know serial returned just this december with the case of army sergeant Bo bergdahl who the taliban held captive for five years in afghanistan but has this true crime trend changed the field of investigative reporting and what impact does it have on the traditional media game. Uh, Henry Jenkins, a journalism professor at the University of Southern California, 
and a Peabody judge said, these programs are stepping up at the same moment when newspapers and network television are defunding the kinds of independent units that can produce and sustain long-form journalism. In that sense, a film like Spotlight seems nostalgic for another era, less a celebration for what the press can do today than a nostalgic evocation of what the press used to be able to do well. Uh, Serial creator Sarah Koenig has described her podcast as a 10-hour audio documentary about an old murder that I did not solve. Yet, HBO's The Jinx, a six-part miniseries last year about real estate heir and accused murderer Robert Durst, proved to be engrossing for the public. Koenig said, I think, I hope, what it means is the contrary to what we thought. People do have patience for journalism that takes its time. Again, a common thread here, Budweiser read vamping their marketing because they wanted to show that they care. And now consumers wanting investigative reporting that actually gives a shit and takes time to give the facts. Even though it takes longer to, to divulge, people clearly are in just enveloped in this type of content. So again, we have two very Different topics, but caring and detail are proving to have more of an impact than just getting it out there. I'll leave it at that. I'll let you guys take a look more at the documentary, Making a Murderer, uh, HBO's The Jinx. Those are two amazing ones. And you know what? I highly recommend the Serial Podcast. It is a must listen and it's very very hard to turn off once you get it started so check those out uh, links in the show notes my last topic i want to talk about is why presidential candidates are relying on endorsements from social celebrities in 2012 uh, the presidential campaigns social media was all about youtube facebook and twitter and about the candidates having their digital playbooks together, being organized enough to regularly push out videos, posts, and tweets. Well, this time around, the world's a little different. We've got Instagram, Snapchat, Vine, and these are the vehicles between social savvy stars and the public, and potentially an opportunity to influence voters, especially the millennial ones, by the masses. Uh, celebrity endorsements aren't new, of course. Uh, having been raised to an art form, actually, during President Clinton's first run at the White House, but stars and their social media prowess have never been central to the strategies of presidential candidates. Uh, Andrew Forrest, who's the director of audience development for uh, Hillary Clinton's campaign, says or noted that while its social media strategy involves building audiences through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's also thinking about how they can put their content in front of other outlets or well-established social influencers. 
In one of the highest profile examples of campaign forging, a formalized relationship with pop culture personality uh, this campaign season, Clinton's team actually handed Lena Dunham, who's the creator and star of HBO's Girls, the keys to Hillary's Instagram account, which now has 679,000 plus followers. In December, the Clinton feed posted three photos of the actress taking or um, actually taking to voters in New Hampshire, and uh, those drew forty three thousand plus likes, eighteen hundred comments, yada yada yada. It's just numbers, right? But those numbers are just a small, a, a very minute look at a deeper, uh, you know, idea here or a deeper plan. Uh, so. What we're going to see, and I and I think this was going to happen, not was, is going to happen more and more. We're going to see presidential candidates needing to hit that demographic, 18 to 24. There's so many in that group that likely don't vote, and the way to reach them is through tools like Snapchat, Instagram, and Vine. Do you want to see your potential president on Vine or Snapchat showing up on your phone in the palm of your hands? Snap me on Snapchat, Vincenzo Landino, or tweet at me and let me know what you think. I'm really intrigued by this topic. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Let's get a conversation going about this and really dive deeper because when we think of president, do you think commander-in-chief? Someone who needs to be in charge, or do you want to see somebody popping up on your phone having a conversation with you? You know, voting ages between 18 and however old you can be are vastly different. So, how will presidential candidates find ways to reach all of their target demos? Because 18 to 24 is not their only target. But it's obviously the one that they're not able to tap into. So let's have a conversation about that. Hit me up on Twitter, at Vincenzo Landino. Snapchat, Vincenzo Landino. Instagram, Vincenzo.Landino. Anywhere you can find me, let's open up a conversation. Can't wait to talk to you. Until tomorrow, ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe. 